Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Jesus 911. Happy Monday morning. My name is Jesse Romero, Paul Clay, two man car. We're talking about all things Catholic. I uh, just uh, hope you had a hopefully, hopefully you had a blessed, happy, holy weekend. Paul, I'm 10-8. What about you, buddy? 10-8, ready to go, Jess. Yeah, hey, I was gone for a week. I got uh, I got beat up with shingles, and so uh, my body was recuperating. I feel 100% better today. I'm still not over the shingles, I mean, but uh, I'm about 90% over it. But, oh, yeah, last week was terrible. I felt like uh, I stepped in the ring with, uh, you know, a, a Canelo, and he just worked me over with some body shots for a couple of rounds. My ribs were in pain. Yeah, I felt like yeah. I stepped in. I st- like I felt like I stepped in the ring with a high with a high level of price fighter. But no, I'm. Um, I just offered it up. I'm sure a lot of souls in purgatory have been released, uh, and uh, I'm ready to go, Paul. All right, yes, sounds good. A lot happening in the world, huh? Yeah, a lot is. Uh, you you mentioned we talked, and you said there there's this this continual incessant violent violence. Every single weekend, it's, it doesn't even make the news anymore because it happens. About so many people get killed in our cities here, in our inner cities, in in the U.S. And I'm going to tell you, Paul. It just it, I've I've been saying this to my kids for years, and they laugh. They go, they go, Dad, you got such a simple way of explaining things. My kids will ask me, Dad, why did this person do that? Why did this person do this? Why does this? And I tell them simple. I said, Look it, because they don't know Jesus. Amen. And so my kids, I'm 60 now, and they, they'll tell me, you know, they're in their 30s, and they'll come over and they'll say, Dad, you know what? You're right. We have seen that all of life breaks down into those that know Jesus Christ and those that don't know him. You're right. It's, it's, it's simple, Jess. Listen, there's a lack of love in the world, right? Uh, you know, different groups, the Beatles, everybody's been singing about these things for years, but the lack of love comes from a lack of knowledge of God. You know, uh, my people perish for lack of knowledge and and, and God is the source of love. And uh, so when we th- see things like uh, the 10 people that tragically lost their lives in Buffalo, uh, and, and it just ne- it's never ending how the media just tries to uh, uh, exploit these things. Listen, an 18 year old kid, he obviously had some type of mental defects going on there and he did something very tragic but they want to play up the whole racial thing like you know uh, you know it's war on you know african americans all across the country um it's not true uh but uh like again i i i pray for uh those who were lost i pray for their families and uh but uh you know, we cannot let the media continually try to exploit what is going on. Uh, we, we need to speak the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is people need Christ. Simple as that. Well, we don't have a racial problem. We got a sin problem in this country. Amen. The heart of man it's, is desperately sick. That's what sacred scripture says. Yeah. Very simple. Then Jesus mm-hmm. says all evil emanates from the human heart. All evil. And yep. guess what? Sin is colorblind. Yep. 
If you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have a prayer life, you don't live in a state of grace, sin will come after you. Sin is like a vice grip. Think think about the word vice, something that grabs onto you. It's a vice. And it doesn't care what color you are. If you live a life of intellectual darkness, spiritual darkness, sin will grab you like a vice. doesn't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, or Asian. Yeah, I had a friend, Jesse, called me up. Uh, believe it or not. And he says, you know, so you mean you guys are always pro-life. You guys are so pro-life. What about the, you know, the lives of the 10 who lost their lives? You know, uh, you know, he's basically alluding to the fact that, you know, if we had gun control somehow that those 10 wouldn't have lost their lives. And I said, let me tell you something. When the, when the guys in the, in, in the Boston marathon, uh, they use pressure cooker bombs in order to blow people up. People, you know, you can ban every single gun and, Yep, the criminals will have guns or they will find other means to kill each other because the problem isn't with the instrument. The problem is with the heart. Yes, the human heart. <laughs> Once again, Jeremiah the prophet, 17, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Well, I want to talk about some guy that to me that, again, I just, I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it until uh, somebody can show me uh, to the contrary. We have a prophet on the earth. His name is, is uh, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. And what I mean by that, think about this. Prophets, what do we know about them? Typically, they're in exile. Vigano's in exile. Uh, prophets, uh, they'll speak the inconvenient truths. Uh, Vigano speaks inconvenient truths. Uh, and you'll also find prophets being persecuted by their own establishment, their own brethren. Vigano is a man on the run persecuted by his own brethren. Need I say more? When you hear him talk, he's a mixture of a St. Paul and a Paul Revere. He, I, he, he's, able, he's able to interface politics and biblical theology masterfully, Paul. Here's a short little article. We'll share some things. It says, Archbishop Vigano, Rover, he says, Roe versus Wade leak was deep state propaganda operation to radicalize abortion debate, influence justices. The embarrassing silence of the hierarchy on Catholic politicians like Joe Biden, who support abortion, said Archbishop Vigano, reveals itself as a confirmation of the sense of inferiority of those who ought to be wisely leading the people entrusted to their care, but who instead are following them off the edge of a cliff along with the politicians whom the bishop supported in the last electoral campaign. In recent days, the media has leaked the news that according to a draft obtained from the Supreme Court of the U.S., the justices of the court are about to declare that the Roe v. Wade decision of January 22nd, 1973 is unconstitutional and must be overruled. First of all, a widespread misunderstanding needs to be clarified. This potential decision of the Supreme Court does not address the moral legitimacy of abortion, but rather whether the 1973 decision conforms to the Constitution of the U.S. with respect to the sovereignty of the individual states. Mm. It is not, therefore, addressing an ethical or moral question with regard to the legitimacy of abortion, but rather a question of jurisdiction of the Supreme Court under the Constitution. The Mm. wound that the Roe v. Wade decision inflicted on the sovereignty of the states of the Union is a constitutional matter here, here, and the justices will have to make a ruling on it as such. Paul, comments? Yeah, listen, um, I know we'd like to jump up and down and say, yeah, yeah, uh, 
But the reality of the situation is, see, uh, just like you brought out, Jess, they're not talking about, they're not saying abortion is evil. They're not calling it out for what it is. All they're saying is, is that, hey, it, you know, the individual states have jurisdiction over, you know, um, and control over at what point they allow abortions and so forth. So we cannot, you know, view this as a victory. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a small victory. It is one step closer to, uh, you know, achieving our goals but it's by far not uh, where we want to be in this country um, uh, as far as, yeah. 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 And, and by the way, our position here at VMPR, it is evil. It is an abomination mm-hmm. unto God. It is, it is one of the worst sins you can commit, killing an innocent human being, especially God's favorites, little children. So in case you want to know where we're coming from. Yeah, and we want to know about these mass shootings that are occurring all over the place and everything. Well, guess what? God will allow evil to continue to rise and continue to afflict. Why? Uh, because we choose to allow evil. So God, God is, uh, you know, these are, you know, when we allow evil in society, then uh, evil begets evil. That's right. Um, <clears throat> uh, Archbishop Vigano says this on the next paragraph. He says, it is significant that this aspect of the decision has been deliberately not spoken about by the media emphasizing Mm. instead the specific content of the decision and making it an ideological banner. It is clear that this propaganda operation maliciously conducted by the deep state has the purpose of radicalizing the debate that the news will stir up in public opinion with the intention of influencing the motivations of the decision, which has yet to be finalized by the justices. It does not escape anyone's notice that the premature leak of the draft of the decision has provoked violent protest demonstrations organized by pro-abortion groups and Antifa, while at the same time scandalous provocations and sacrilegious attacks on Catholic churches during services are multiplying. The courageous witness of the Catholic lady ought to be encouraged and supported by the shepherds of the church precisely in the name of that freedom of worship and preaching that is inalienable right of the Church of Christ as well as an inalienable constitutional right of all Americans under the First Amendment. Paul, very interesting. I was talking to a Mormon last uh, Friday. He goes, mm-hmm. hey, yes, you know something? I've come to realize that you guys are the true church. I mean, this guy's a Mormon. I said, mm-hmm. really? really? Uh, Austin, why would you say, I-, I agree with you, but why Why are you coming to that conclusion? He says, he goes, I've noticed that the only church that the left is attacking in the United States right now over the pending Roe versus Wade decision are Roman Catholic churches. He goes, we're not, the Mormons aren't being attacked. The Jehovah's are, no Protestants are being attacked. None of these mega churches. He goes, it's only you guys being attacked. He goes, uh, he goes, common sense tells me you guys are the true church. That's right. Uh, listen, uh, and, 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 and it, we've been attacked much longer than, than the current attacks. Yes, we, the Catholic church has been, a, you know, ha- churches have have you know they were being attacked ever since the the 50s and 60s you know and let's move on up so we're we're definitely um uh that, that's a witness to the fact that uh you know uh the enemy knows who its enemy is and right. they consider the enemy the church that's right the devil knows the p.o box of the one true church paul mm-hmm. jesus 911 hey we'll continue talking a little bit about a little more about uh Archbishop Vigano's Reflections. Then we're going to talk about 2,000 Mules, a documentary. I watched it last week. Want to get your take. We'll we'll be right back.
now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Jesus 911, two-man call. We're talking about Archbishop Vigano. Paul Clay and myself, we consider the man has prophetic insight. Uh, Paul, I'll tell you, before we continue with this article, my assessment of Archbishop Vigano that he not only has a keen sense of Catholic biblical theology and Catholic history, but also American politics, and he interfaces these things masterfully as he puts out these articles. To me, he's a brilliant, legal, moral, grace-filled bishop who's able to connect the dots for Catholics as we continue battling the enemy of our souls through these culture wars. Well, yeah, Jess, you know, when we live in a modern world that has many different uh, uh, moral challenges that come our way and things like that. And so, the, you know, how do we know, you know, you know, what stance we should take on certain issues on a day to day basis? Well, uh, he, he's a prime example of that. He knows the word of God so well that. Yeah. Uh, you know, as he looks at what's going on around him, the word of God just shines a light on it. And it, mm-hmm. if it, it's either going to stand the test or it's not. And, and he is masterfully exposing the uh, the plans of the enemy and the hypocrisy of so many things. And as Catholics, we need to understand that, listen, we need to uh, uh, the, the first thing that in our lives that we need to embrace is God's word. Everything else, we need to see it through the lenses of God's word. Amen. Yeah. Yep. So so continuing on in the article, Jess, this is the meat and potatoes of it right okay. here. The Holy See and the United States Conference of Bishops ought to reaffirm along with a firm condemnation of abortion that American Catholics cannot and must not vote for elected representatives whose positions are not consistent with the magisterium of the church and who as such are excommunicated. Yeah. Wow. He, I like the way he points that out. He just, their position excommunicates them. You know what I mean? So why would we sit there in good conscience and say, Hey, I'm going to vote for a Joe Biden or a Nancy Pelosi you know, uh, let me tell you something. They may be popular here down on this earth, Jess, but they're mm. not popular in the eyes of God. And they have a rude awakening coming to them when they stand before the judgment seat of Christ. God is no respecter of men, the Bible says. And God doesn't care when you come before his judgment seat at your particular judgment. Oh, wow. What college did you go to? You had a <laughs> Ph.D.? You were a senator? Oh, yeah. you were a vice president? God is no respecter of men. And as a matter of fact, quite the contrary. Uh, the, the people who are going to get heaven is going to be populated, Paul, with little abuelitas that never understood the nuances of justification by faith alone in the Greek. Yes, Trust me. yes. Oh, heaven yeah. is going to be top heavy with people that had childlike faith. Yeah. And then when you look in sacred scripture, they give us a glimpse when a holy prophet like Isaiah gets a glimpse of God and he says, woe is me for I am undone. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst unclean clean people. Just yes, he, he he's in the presence of God and in this and he just 
he, he he's beside himself. He just falls like a heap. He can't he can't even speak at that point. Mm. Yeah. So so again, um, we need to understand exactly who God is and who it is that we worship and whose whose message that we proclaim. Uh, and we not we need not fear people in this world. We need not fear getting canceled by people because guess what? God is going to cancel them. Amen. Yeah. That, yeah. You said, well said, Paul. Well said. Vigano says, look what he, he says. He, he calls out his brother bishops, or we could actually mm-hmm. say he's confirming his brethren, as it says in Luke mm-hmm. 24, confirming mm-hmm. the brethren. He says, the embarrassing silence of the hierarchy reveals itself as a confirmation of the sense of inferiority of those who ought to be wisely leading the people entrusted to their care, who instead are following them off the edge of a cliff along with the politicians whom the bishops supported in the last electoral campaign. Hearing Joe Biden advocate for abortion as a fundamental right, disguised under the hypocritical euphemism of women's health protection, proves the loss of any sense of the meaning of Catholic social commitment for which not only the hierarchy is responsible, but also the entire system of Catholic education that looks to it for guidance. What sort of teaching is being given in Catholic high schools and universities if their graduates can declare that they support abortion without understanding its moral gravity? Mm. How can it be said that the killing of an innocent creature can be decided by the very mother who instead ought to protect the life of her child more than her own? Is this the civilization that Americans want to support and propagate? Are these the values that that they want to pass on to future generations? Again, this guy calling out his own brother bishops to man up, Paul. Yeah, listen, Jess. It, and none of us would 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 advocate for cannibalism. If there was a society out there that was, you know, eating their young and eating each other, we'd be we'd be appalled, right? Uh, yep. But, you know, this is essentially a form of cannibalism in a sense that we are we are we're not eating them, but we're we're destroying our own young. It's it's just another uh, another uh, view of this malformation that we have. You know, who does that? I'll say it again, Jess. Who does that? Human beings created in the Imago Day. That's the sad. That's the sad reality. Vigano says, the last two paragraphs, he says, I am certain that Americans will not allow themselves either to be sidetracked by these operations of mass distraction or to be provoked by the pro-abortion protests that have been deliberately incited in order to foment clashes and violent reactions. Let us not forget that those who propagandize the killing of children are equally supportive of euthanasia, LGBTQ ideology, gender theory, the Great Reset, the pandemic farce, and the use of the Russian-Ukrainian crisis to weaken the nations of Europe and cover up the crimes of the deep state. Again, this guy just, Paul, has a, a he has just a, a, a deep set. Well, he's got a biblical worldview, first of all, and he has a deep understanding of right versus wrong. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And, and we would all do well to listen to the great Archbishop Vigano. Yeah. Yeah, the last paragraph he says here, let us pray. We'll we'll end up on a high note, then we'll move on to another topic. He says, let us pray, therefore, that she, whom we venerate as Sere Sapientiae, the seat of wisdom, may illumine the minds of the justices of the Supreme Court and inspire them with a sense of justice so that they may recognize the sacredness and inviolability of the life of the unborn child 
And may the woman foretold in Genesis crush the head of the serpent who is the first inspirer of the horrendous crime of abortion. Mm-hmm. Amen, Archbishop mm-hmm. Vigano. God bless you. You know, if God was going to bring the savior of the world through the womb of a woman, it only stands to reason that Satan would have this this uh, reaction now where he hates the, the womb of a woman. And so he's he's desecrating it. Right. That, you know, that 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 sacred temple, so to speak, he's desecrating it, you know, out of anger. And, you know, women wake up. And understand that you know God has given you the the the, the wonderful privilege of, of being able to share in his in his creative ability and bring life into the world. That's right. And Paul, he's talking about the woman of Genesis three fifteen right now. By the way, Archbishop mm-hmm. Vigano. Yes, well, we know that's that's called that's called the fathers of the church called that the Proto Evangelium, the first gospel. That's the first yes. announcement of the, of our Redeemer and his mother. And uh, yeah, Genesis 3.15, obviously it portrays Mary as the bitter enemy of the devil. Uh, and she has the power and, and the power and the authority to crush his head. It's interesting, the Genesis 3.15 verse, the Jews, the rabbis, I, I was looking at some rabbinical uh, uh, Talmudic writings on Genesis. The rabbi, the general consensus of the rabbis is that that, that, that person in Genesis 3.15 is a woman. It's a reference to a woman, according to the Jewish rabbis. And not only that, I was looking at the Battle Hymn of the Republic a while back ago. It was written by a Protestant woman, Julia Ward. She's, a, she's an Episcopalian. In there, here's what she writes on the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And we've we, we seen this as Americans. She says this, quote, paragraph two. Let the mother of the Savior crush the serpent with her heel. Since God is marching on. Amen. So this Protestant hymn, Battle Hymn of the Republic, the author writes that the person that crushes the head of the serpent is the mother of the Savior. Yes. And and let's let's keep it real, Jess. Um, She is our mother. And just like now, 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 yes, Jesus he doesn't need any help. He can do, you know, whatever he chooses to do. But he allows, he allows the participation of his mother in this process because, according to Revelation, she's all of our mother. If we, if we have faith in Christ, we, you know, and so we know that the enemy, the devil, is going to engage us in, you know, in battle and try to devour us. Why? Because we are Mary's offspring, and we now have been invited to engage in this cosmic battle. Uh, again, doesn't really depend on, on on us because we know that Jesus is already Victor. He's already King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But it allows us to participate and to you know forsake of relationship and to just enjoy in the victory you know i used to watch you fight just sometimes and you know and, and when you won i felt like i won you know <laughs> because i was so vested in, in you know in, yeah. in your more friendship yeah yeah of friendship, course right and so and so and so it just you know uh and if you lost i felt like i lost yeah. And that's, you yeah. know, and so again, you know, this battle that we're engaged in, you know, God allows us to participate alongside. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, Paul, there's a beautiful problem, Paul, in Romans uh, 16, 20, where, where St. Paul actually writes that the entire church 
will one day crush Satan under our our feet with God's help. It's in Romans sixteen twenty. So we also, in some way, shape, or form, living in a state of grace, uh, walking in the obedience of faith, uh, we also participate in the crushing of the devil as we cooperate with God's plan for our life and we grow in virtue and holiness. So yes, God is the ultimate head crusher, but he brings his mother in to participate in that head crushing in Genesis 3.15. And then Romans 16.20 says, in some way, shape, or form, all of us will participate in the head crushing uh, individually. As, yeah, as, as, and, yeah. And, and, and to just reaffirm what everything you're saying, Jess, uh, you can give them the references, but there, there, are, there are types in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, of women who are seen as crushing the head of these uh, the, these people that symbolize and represent uh, Satan. Yep. And there's De- Deborah being one of them. Uh, J.L. being another one, Judith being yeah. another one. And yeah. then there's another one that's unnamed, but another Hebrew woman in the book of Judges, yeah. unnamed. Yeah. Yep. yep. Hey, we're going to talk about uh, Dinesh D'Souza's uh, documentary. I went to watch it a, a week and a, a week ago. It's called 2,000 Mules. Uh, I'll give you my take. Paul will give you his take as well. Jesus 911 will be right, right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. Hey, Romans 16:20, here it is. Quote, "Then the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you." Romans 16:20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So all of us in one way, shape, or form, probably at the general judgment, we will all participate in the crushing of Satan. I want to move on to 2,000 Mules, a documentary that was put out by Dinesh D'Souza. Paul, Dinesh D'Souza, uh, what I know about him, he was a former Stanford professor, he's a Stanford scholar, former speechwriter for uh, President Reagan, Involved in conservative politics, an evangelical Christian. I believe he's, he's a Calvary Chapel attendee, the last uh, that I read. He's also, he also made quite a reputation for himself debating, debating some of the most famous atheists uh, for uh, several years across the country. Hitchens, Dawkins. Uh, and he would use the arguments, a lot of the arguments from, from St. Thomas Aquinas, from the Church Fathers. So he's steeped in, in, in the Church Fathers and he's steeped. In, uh, in Catholic thought, so it surprises me that he's not a Catholic at this point yet. But nonetheless, he made an incredible documentary. I went to go watch it a week ago. It was called 2,000 Mules. And what it does, it documents the claims of fraud during the 2020 elections, which grossed more than a million dollars in its first 12 hours of screening when it opened up a week ago. Uh, the movie 2000 Mules, again, it was created by conservative political commentator Dinesh D'Souza. It's worth watching. Uh, if you can get it on, on the Internet, I would get it right now and watch, show it to my entire family. It began streaming uh, last Saturday uh, at noon and on Rumble and other subscription-based platforms. The movie's gross sales, once again, 
Uh, they did, it, it put them on the top 10 for the weekend of May 6th to May 8th, so they did quite well. The, uh, the, the success of the 2,000 Mules on Rumble, it's also a great sign for creators who do not, who do not want to be silenced or censored for their speech. So Dinesh D'Souza is very happy that there's several platforms that are carrying this. The first day that it opened up, Margie Taylor Green and Kyle Rittenhouse were among the attendees at 2,000 Mules uh, th- at the premiere opening. And uh, the 2,000 Mules, here's what it is in a nutshell. It suggests strongly that the 2020 election results were altered as a result of thousands of people being paid to collect and drop off ballots at collection boxes in key, in, in, in key swing states, which includes Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So, so the film claims that cell phone geolocation tracking data shows people going near ballot drop-off locations several times between October 1st and Election Day in 2020. Uh, and uh, it was very well done. I was 99% sure that the election was stolen. Once I watched the all the dots being connected, I'm 110% sure that the election was stolen, Paul. Yeah, uh, I remember election night well, Jess. And I remember uh, before I went to bed, Donald Trump was all but wrapping it up. And I remember Joe Biden got on there and he made a statement. And he says, I like our position. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You like your position. You're behind er everywhere, you know. And he liked the position because he knew about the plan. He knew the plan in place and he knew that a lot of those uh, those those ballots uh, were those ballot mules were going to, uh, you know, uh, come to the rescue and uh, deliver a victory for him. And that's exactly what happened because you woke up in the morning and all of a sudden everything's trending Joe Biden, unless he's a prophet, which I <laughs> doubt that seriously. You know what I mean? That, you know, because he was right on the money when he said, I like our position. He liked it. He liked the position because he knew the fix was in bottom line. If you look at his character, if you look at the problems that he's having in his family, if you look at, you know, then you understand that Joe Biden is just uh, a, He's a political animal. He'll survive at, you know, at any cost out there. It is what it is. It's sad. It it sure Uh, is, Paul. And and again, now, if if you go to some of the fact checkers, of course, they're going to say, oh, the allegations the the Dinesh D'Souza put out with 2,000 mules, these are misleading. These are flawed. Yeah, unsupported by the facts. Let me remind you who fact checkers are. Fact checkers are nothing but a a bunch of young flaming liberals that work out of their parents' basement. They're paid by Soros, Gates, and others. They're an arm of the government. And again, they're paid by the globalists. These fact checkers are phony, and they're meant to divert us from the truth so that you can you can say so you can just buy into the entire globalist narrative, Paul. Yeah, they you know they give this idea just that somehow they're unbiased and they're that they're giving a a balanced opinion. No, they're not. These guys have been bought hook line and paid for hook line and sinker by the left, and they they are being paid to spread you know anything that supports left wing ideology. 
Yep. These fact checkers, Paul, they're like the Wizard of Oz. Okay, you know, you just uh, you 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 pull the curtain behind. Who are these fact checkers? And it's just a a bunch of young, malformed, Marxist college educated young liberals that work in their parents' basement and are paid by globalists to go and try to obfuscate the facts. Right. Uh, yeah, here's something interesting that upsets the left, Paul, the, the, what I would call the Marxist diabolical left, is that, is that Donald Trump, he still has not conceded that he lost the election. And that drives <laughs> the left crazy, man. He has oh, not, yeah. he has, he has, it's, it's almost two years. He's not conceded the election. Why? Because he knows yeah. that the election was stolen way before yeah. this documentary yeah. came out. Yeah, He's you know, a- no, no matter what you may think of Donald <laughs> Trump, you know, you know, you you got to admire his tenacity about certain things. And he doesn't care what people think. He doesn't care what people say. Uh, if he's convinced on a position, he's not going to back down. He's going to basically stand his ground and he'll take on the world if he has to. And you know what? <laughs> uh, our Hey, the U.S. bishops can take you know, take some notes when they look at him and how he is, because if we took a stand and we denounced, let's say, something like abortion and we really, you know, hit it home to all the Catholics all across America, then guess what? Abortion would be a thing of the past in this country. There's no doubt it is within the hands of the Catholic Church to do that. And yet, because of our poor leadership, and I'm going to say it again, because of our poor leadership, because of love for the world, uh, 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 you know, it's unfortunate, but uh, this country is being afflicted by something as heinous as abortion. Yep. Paul, I just I want to make another comment and we'll move on to another topic. I want to talk about the church fathers, which I know you, this is this is big with you because it had it revolutionized your understanding of Christianity. But the last thing I want to mention about this uh, f- uh, fake election or this uh, the stolen election is that there's a quote that's attributed to communist leader Joseph Stalin. Okay, they, uh, people say that Joseph Stalin once said, it's not the people who vote that count, it's the people who count the votes. Mm. Now, think about that. <laughs> Joseph Stalin, communist leader, it's not the people who vote that count. It's the people who count the votes. That's it. And, 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 and the and, Democrats know that, Paul. They don't yeah. care who get out. They don't care who goes out and vote. They know as long as we run the ballot boxes in the different polling places. Well, that, that's going- exactly right. Jess, I remember, and I was telling my wife this, when I went uh, to go cast my vote, it, the place was inundated by people on the left and Democrats all around. There were, you know, anybody who was conservative, you, you know, you can tell they were just uh you know, they kept to themselves. And I remember when the when the lady looked at my thing and she saw Republican, just the look of disdain that I that I received. You know, I was like, like, how dare you? I felt like I was going behind enemy lines just to go cast my vote. You know, you know, and this is something that you know, uh, that, you know, we never mentioned, but it's true. All these people that are filling these polling agencies, for the major, the the large majority of them are Democrats who don't have jobs, who yes. who are who are being paid for the day or whatever. Who, they were being who, they got who, paid by Zuckerberg money, Paul. Yeah, Zuckerberg yeah, yeah. pumped in four hundred fifty million dollars 
into yeah. these elections to pay volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm talking about the actual, even the ones that are working for the county and so forth, you know, uh, they, you know, that you, you could just tell they have been, you know, uh, you know, they represent the left and, right. and, that, and it's, it's time for the, it's time that we change that. Amen. we got to get involved in our, in our individual elections. Let's move on to another topic, Paul. It's, it's uh, there's an article that I shared. It's called why you should know the church fathers and how to do it. The article is written by a Lutheran convert to the Catholic faith. Mm. And, and so his reading of the church fathers as a Lutheran brought him into the Catholic faith. I'm going to go down uh, with, uh, one, two, three, fifth paragraph down where he gets into the meat of his arguments, this Lutheran scholar who's now a Catholic. He says, fifth paragraph down, he says this. The, he explains who the church fathers are. He says, the church fathers are that array of pastors, bishops, and theologians writing after the apostles, but before 325, the year the Nicene Creed was formulated. They are also known as the anti-Nicene fathers, in other words, before the Nicene Council. Generally speaking, they are the second generation of Christians. Their writings can be assessed through a simple Google search, and their work is published in several collected volumes available at you know many Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and others. Some of the fathers are very close to the original witnesses. Ignatius of Antioch, for example, was said to have been mentored by John the Apostle. As a defense against those few contemporary outlier historians who make a career of questioning the existence of the historical Jesus, I have yet to see one, one of them even deal with the historicity of actual witnesses as reported in history outside the Gospels. We'll talk about the Church Fathers next, Jesus 911. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 888- Five two six two one five one. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Soul Patrol, Jesus nine one one. Paul, you you know the world of Protestantism better than anybody I know. At least better than anybody here in VMPR. In the world of Protestantism, because there are different shades of Protestants, the Church Fathers, in some shades of Protestantism. They factor very high. There's a lot of respect. In other shades of Protestantism, they have a very minimal view of the early church fathers. So give us kind of a little overview of the world of Protestantism as it relates to the church fathers. Well, you know that, uh, you know, one of the battle cries for the Reformation, Jess, was sola scriptura, right? And so just by virtue of the fact that that was one of the main causes, you know, you know, you know, during the Reformation, um, you know, Protestants uh, inherently have, you know, put lesser emphasis on what the church fathers have to say. And as you know, you got your evangelical Protestants out there where um, where doctrine is not quite as important. You know, you got these non denominational churches and things, and they, they view doctrine as simply something that divides and that's divisive. So, you know, we can agree to disagree on major issues, but 
as you get to what they call higher Protestant churches, like the Lutheran church, like this gentleman is a converted Lutheran or Christian reform, such as I was, uh, that's where the, the battle lines are drawn because that's exactly, even though you go to a Lutheran church and you go, man, this is, this is similar to a Catholic church in, in a lot of ways. Well, aesthetically and in some areas, yeah, that's true. And the fact, you know, uh, uh, but at the same time, they're very dug in in their position as far as, uh, you know, being anti-Catholic, so to speak. I got to tell you, Jess, when I started as a Christian Reformed uh, person, I mean, really, really digging into the church fathers because they, they do have a they place some value on the church fathers. But I noticed that they like to selectively quote from them. They like to you know, if, if they if there's an area that that, that that seems to support their position, they'll isolate a quote just kind of like how the Protestant approach for the Bible is, right? There's more of a, uh, uh, you know, uh, let me take a, a verse from here. Let me take a verse from here. And well, that's deconstructionism, right? We, you know, it, we know that the Bible, you, you know, has a context and you can't just take verses out of context because that when you do that, you have a pretext, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Amen. And so, 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 so this is what I see that when you begin to read the church fathers, Jess, when you begin, what, what I saw, and, 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 and by the way, I was introduced to them by you. Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, in, in, in a, in a deeper way, uh, uh, I started saying, wow, this is Catholic. Wow. This is Catholic. Wow. This is really Catholic. And I knew because I actually, uh, was a revert to the Catholic church. So I, I understand, you know, I did. I understood a lot of Catholic doctrine, or at least I, I, I was aware, but not necessarily understanding the depth and where these things came from. But uh, as you read the Church Fathers, you realize that our church really is the ancient church. Our church is the church that uh, the Catholic Church is the way it is because of the early Church Fathers and how they how they were unanimous in what they what they believed. Uh, and it's kind of like the telephone game, Jess. Remember the telephone game? Uh, you know, you say something and you whisper it and it goes all the way around the room. And by the time it gets to like the 35th kid, you know, it, you know, the, it's, it's totally distorted. Well, that's, mm. you know, so for us to believe that somehow the Catholic church, right after it was founded by Jesus Christ, right after he promised that the Holy, that he would send the Holy Spirit and guide us in all truth all truth. Uh, we have to believe that somehow either Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit was, you know, lacking on his job or whatever, because as Protestantism tells it, you know, the church immediately took a hard left and it, and God waited till the 1500s until Luther came around uh, to establish the Lutheran church to get it right back on track. That doesn't even make sense because we know that as this thing goes further down the line, uh, you know, you know, to the extent that we were able to hold the church together unified, the church was a force to be reckoned with. But now, today, in 2022, the church is a mere shell of what of, of what God intended it to be. We are taken over by complete left-wing liberals. I could go on on this, Jess. <laughs> yeah, Ruben, I mean, Paul, and the reason is, is once again, because we're departing from the the great minds of the church— the early yep. church fathers, the scholastics, and it's only a return to tradition. The Man. church fathers, the scholastics, the medieval theologians, this is what's going to renew the church. St. Yes. Paul's always using that word renew or transform, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
How is the church renewed? It's renewed when it goes back to its sources. What are its sources? Sacred scripture. The under the writings of the church fathers who took the word of God and explained it to us in bite-sized morsels. The writings of the medieval giants. As Catholics, in fact, there's a verse in the book of Sirach, chapter 39, verse 1 and 2, which talks about the importance of studying ancient works. Sirach 39, verse 1 and 2 says this, quote, On the other hand, he who devotes himself to the study of the law of the Most High God will seek out all the wisdom of the ancients mm. and will be concerned with prophecies he will preserve the discourse of notable men. Mm, emphasis exact, on the preserve, preserve, yeah. right? Not, the not discourse change. of yeah. notable men. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're not trying to reinvent anything. We don't reinvent the wheel. Jesus Christ is the one who invented that wheel. And, and you know, the church fathers were faithful to that. And we need to preserve that which was handed down to us. Okay, we don't need to change. We don't need to modernize. Modernism is the great uh, uh, battle of the day. Modernism is what is afflicting our church and is responsible for every major ill in the church today, Jess. Yep. Paul, there is a, there is a, a, pa a Protestant pastor out in Southern California. I actually called him up and, and uh, we had conversations. I was trying to set up a debate with him, but he never... He never wanted to bite. His name's Raul Reese from Calvary Chapel. Spoke to him, spoke to his secretary, emailed him. Uh, I would leave messages on his phone. Uh, no, 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 I'm not interested in debating you. Just no, 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 no. I remember Raul Reese one time on radio, on Calvary Chapel radio. He said, the early church fathers, why would you want to read them? He goes, I don't call them the early church fathers. I call them the early church babies. Mm. Again, so he, mm. but he's a low church Christian, low, low, low church Protestant Christian. Calvary Chapel would be considered not a low, a high church, but it's a low church. And yeah. so they, they do have more, more disdain for the church fathers, the low church Protestants, the, the Jack Chick, the Calvary Chapel, yeah. the yeah. fundamentalists. Well, yeah. Uh, again, uh, under his logic, the apostles were just, ba you know, babies and we shouldn't pay attention to anything that they did. Right. Or said, yeah. uh, you know, under under that logic. Uh, yeah. Just this. Listen, the reason why Calvary Chapel, uh, Raul Reese did not want to talk to you is he probably listened to that debate where you and Tim Staples schooled those two Calvary Chapel Bible College professors. These are the guys that are actually teaching the so-called doctrine of Calvary Chapel. And I remember listening to that debate and it was embarrassing. I hate, and I guarantee you, that I think I heard at the time, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Chuck Smith was not happy yes. because, yeah, because they did not uh, represent Calvary Chapel well at all. And it was very obvious when you take uh, knowledgeable Catholics and you put them up against knowledgeable Protestants, guess what? Uh, the difference is like night and day. Yeah, it didn't turn. It didn't. It didn't turn too well. It didn't turn out too well for them. Both of them were Harvard graduates with MDivs. Both of them, and both of them taught at Calvary Chapel Bible College in Murrieta, California. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, they they were they were Chuck Smith's boys. And if anybody wants to listen to that debate, you can get you can get the MP3s from Terry Barber. I, I have them on my website as well. It's called uh, 
Calvary Chapel versus Catholicism. If you have family members from Calvary Chapel, go to my website. You can get the MP3 downloads, or you can go to Virgin Most Powerful and buy them from there and share them with your friends from Calvary Chapel. For those of you that want to know who the Church Fathers are, the Church Fathers are, number one, they were theologians. They were known for their holiness. They were known for their great, their great, their great love of Scripture. And also, a Church Father lived no later than the 8th century. So, uh, so, so that's a church father. You have them both in the East and both in the West. Now, you have another category of church fathers. 36 of them have been given the title of doctors of the church. 36 of them. And a doctor of the church is somebody who's basically, through their incredible uh, understanding of God's word and their, and their holiness, they've broken the glass ceiling and they've mm-hmm. taken our understanding of of the incarnation of the Trinity, of uh, hypostatic union, mm-hmm. of Marian dogmas. They've taken the church's understanding to a higher level. There's 36 doctors of the church amongst the church fathers, and uh, they're in a class all by themselves. Yeah, and and, and just let's you know we would be remiss not to state that many of them ended up being martyrs you know martyrs for the faith and see it's one thing to sit back and go oh i call them babies of the faith church babies not church fathers well guess what uh then you're saying that god essentially allowed you know babies to be slaughtered no god had endowed them with you know, uh, special knowledge, spe- you know, special faith in order to stand and to, and to and to represent the the excellencies of Christ to a world that was completely hostile. Much like today, Paul, we're going back to the same pagan world. Amen. But, but, we by are. the way, G.K. G. Chesterton he calls the early church fathers he calls them the democracy of the dead. Mm. In other words, he says that G- they need a voice. We need to mm-hmm. continue hearing the voice of the democracy of the dead, which is called the early church fathers, because, uh, again, the early church fathers, their teachings from sacred scripture, that's the prescription to stay free from heresy. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, Jess, this is good stuff. <laughs> One more thing I'll say is uh, there's a term that G.K. Chesterton used when somebody has contempt for the church fathers, he calls that he calls that historical chronological snobbery. In other words, somebody who yeah, somebody who hates something that just because I didn't live in that era, I don't understand it, so I hate it. That's called historical chronological snobbery, and uh, you can't have that as a Christian because our church goes back two thousand years. Hey, Jesus nine one one, that's a wrap. Paul, thanks a lot for coming on today, brother. Yo, brother, thank you for having me. You got it. Up next, Gary Machuda. Stick around. You don't want to miss what's up with the big guy, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics. Coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for Paul Clay and Jess Romero, we are EOW, end of watch. We are 10-7. We are out. God bless you. Keep the faith.